Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, September 27th, 2022. Hello everyone, it's Shannon back with you for a Tuesday morning episode. Today I have an interview with author Ivy Owens who released her debut, Scandalized, in August. So we chat about what it was like for her to write this book, how romance writing can be a little different from other types of writing that one might do in their, um, in their day jobs, and just a lot of great stuff about romance in general. So if you are a fan, you will definitely want to pay attention to this interview with Ivy. Once that is over, we will move on to take a look at some of this week's new releases. So let's move on to the housekeeping information and then we'll get started. You can find us on Facebook by searching for the Book Bistro podcast. Once there, you can post to our timeline. You can also message us privately. If you want a more social interaction, you can join our Facebook listener group, which is pretty quiet at the moment, though we are looking at some ways of possibly revamping it. If Facebook is not your thing and you still would like to hang out with us, check us out on our WhatsApp group. You can subscribe to that either by messaging us through Facebook or by sending us an email, and one of us will be happy to add you. If you're looking to get a hold of us via email, you can do that by contacting the Book Bistro Podcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon, and today I am here with author Ivy Owens, and we are talking about her novel, Scandalized, which comes out in the U.S. on August 23rd. Ivy, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This is really exciting. Can we start with a brief introduction to Scandalized so that listeners have a little bit of an idea what they can expect? Sure. Um, so Scandalized is the story of Georgia Ross, um, Gigi, and she's a journalist who's coming home to L.A. from the U.K., and um, her flight is connecting in Seattle, and there's a big storm, so they're stuck there overnight. And uh, while, yeah. at the air- <laughs> while at the airport waiting to um, find out whether they can fly on to L.A., she sees somebody she thinks she recognizes. She's not sure how she knows him. And later in the hotel, when she's trying to get a room, it hits her that that is her childhood crush who moved away when she was 13. And he's all grown up now. And um, there's another reason why she doesn't recognize him (laughs) that you'll find out. But the two have a really instant chemistry and they have this sort of passionate night um, before they discover that they are connected in ways that could be dangerous for both of their jobs. Ooh. (laughs) 
So this is like the perfect book for right now, especially if someone is flying, because I feel like all we hear about now is, you know, people being like stuck at the airport, not so much because <laughs> of weather, but, you know, sh- crew shortages. That's, such, all kinds that's of things. such a good point. Like, yes. you can read this if you're stuck in the airport and at least have like an alternate reality of what could happen to you <laughs> versus yes. just losing your luggage. <laughs> yes. And just, you know, not being able to uh, get to your previously mm-hmm. scheduled event. That's right. <laughs> So this um, looks like it's going to be a lot of a, a lot of kind of dark secrets and all the really excellent things that we love in romance. And so I'm curious to know what prompted you to write it. Like what kind of gave you that spark to say this is the story that you wanted to tell? So. I was, um, this was written in August of 2020, and I was on a vacation basically from my day job and um, just taking a break from from doing any work at home. And I had been watching a lot of K-dramas. I'd been reading a lot of romance. I'd been watching a lot of movies that were coming out. We all had so many movies on Netflix. We were binging. And (laughs) right. Um, And so I think I just was really wrapped up in the idea of travel for one, um, because I missed it and celebrity for two, which is a little bit of a spoiler for anyone who hasn't read it, although I think it is on the back cover copy that Alec is a celebrity. Um, And so it was really fun to kind of mesh all of these things together. And I will be honest, this book kind of came into my head fully formed and I just wrote it super fast. Like I just had the most fun writing it. And initially I wrote it for my two of my best friends, just as like a fun little escape for us. But when I finished, we were all like, well, it's kind of book shaped. Like why don't you can publish it? And, uh, yeah, it ended up, it ended up being sold to Simon and Schuster. And so that was really great. But, um, you know, it really was just like a little spark of inspiration that just unspooled into this whole thing. So it wasn't something that you kind of sat down and said, Oh, I think I want to write a book. No, I, I really had just planned. It was almost like I was writing fan fiction for myself of a bunch of different things. Right. And oh, so, I like that. yeah. And it was just a story for me. It wasn't, really intended for anyone else. And I think that, I mean, it's a really steamy book. And I think that that freedom of not expecting anyone else to ever look at it kind of let me just write whatever story was in my head. Um, And that's a really liberating feeling when you're doing something just for yourself. And then you end up looking at it like, well, other people might like this too. So. Right. Like it doesn't have to be something that's just for you. You know, maybe there's a, a market out there of people who, are looking for something, you know, just, just like that. Exactly. So when you were writing this, since you were kind of, as you say, you know, just thinking of it as something for you, I'm guessing then that you didn't really come up against any kind of difficulty, like writing the steamier scenes I've heard authors say, you know, before when they know right off the bat that something is destined, you know, that they're wanting to publish it, they're wanting other people to see it, that sometimes they feel a little bit awkward writing sort of those those like sexy times yeah I mean it wasn't awkward at all for me and like you said it was mostly because I was really just writing it for the fun of it 
Um, and, you know, I think my, in my day job work, the writing that I do for my day job, it's much more structured. I have much more of a plan of mm-hmm. how things are going to unfold and how, you know, things get done on a schedule. But for this, I didn't have an outline. I had in my head who they were and what the conflict was, but it just was sort of like this free writing without worrying about pacing, writing without worrying about um, who, what my, who my audience would be. And um, so, yeah, it was actually so fun. I mean, I used to write fan fiction before I became um, a professional writer, which is what I do for my day job. Um, I used to write fan fiction and I had sort of had forgotten the joy of that, of writing without any plan or expectation, just putting stuff down because it's fun and it's what your brain wants. It's like feeding yourself candy. (laughs) It kind of is. Yes. Brain candy. Mm hmm. I really like that description of just kind of that freedom that you can get for doing something that feels, you know, just right and just for you, like in the moment. I think we all need to do more of that. It was so fun and so liberating. And I know, you know, when it comes out this month, I think, um, or August 23rd, I should say, um, I know this is being recorded a little bit before, um, but yes, um, you know, it's not going to be for everyone. It's a really spicy book. The premise is ridiculous, but I think that's really, that's one of the things that's fun about, um, about romantic fantasy, which I sort of consider this like a contemporary fantasy, um, is just sort of letting go of those preconceived notions of what like a, a story rooted in the contemporary world should be and just letting it be fun, you know? Well, I think, you know, when I look at romance and not to say that, you know, romance doesn't have some deep and serious stuff that it, it covers because it absolutely does. But I think a lot of what draws people in is that sort of escapism. Like you're mm-hmm. reading something that's not, you know, it's kind of rooted in our world, but like the situations that people get themselves into, you know, most people don't ever face like these types of situations in their lives. For sure. Yeah. And I I mean, that's what makes it fun. Absolutely. And I mean, in the context of when it was written in August of 2020, I mean, California was hit. It's like on the verge of its big second wave of um, the pandemic. And, you know, we were all home. No, you know, nobody was going anywhere. And so it was really such an escapist, joyful place. Um, And so I think I will always have this just super tender spot for this book because it really was such a joy in such a dark time. Um, And so I hope that it gives readers that same sense of escape, even if the world has opened up a little bit more. Like, I just hope that people can find some fun in the pages. I think there's always room for Mm -hmm. that kind of fun. I mean, absolutely. You know, look at the things that a lot of us read just kind of on a you know, on a regular basis, like regardless of what's going on in the world around us. Oh yeah. Romance is having a moment. I mean, I hope this lasts for years and years. I think this is a really great transition in in genre. Um, And it's been really fun to walk into, you know, Barnes and Noble and see just tables and tables and tables of romance of all different subgenre beautiful it is yeah it's wonderful makes me so happy because I remember you know back when I was first kind of getting into reading romance like you didn't see as much of it Mm -hmm. um 
you know, it wasn't, I don't know, it was just a whole different kind of feeling around the genre than what yeah, we I mean, now. The shelves were, you know, romance would be shelved kind of in the back corner. And there are still some stores that I walk into where romance kind of like faces the back of the store. Um, but more and more, you know, we're seeing tables with like just yes. these bright, colorful um, covers and, you know, people holding hands or kissing on covers. And it's just like we're just much more visible now, which is just really lovely. So have you always been a romance reader or when did you kind of fall in love with the genre? I mean, I think as soon as I had access to romancy books, I became a romance reader. I, you know, m like most people in my generation, I'm in my 40s, um, you know, we grew up on Beverly Cleary and Judy Bloom, and, um, but I think once I, I really started, once I read Forever by Judy Bloom it was over for me because I was like, oh, wait, you can have an entire book about a relationship. Um, yes, you know, it doesn't, you, can. you don't have to have a book about, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to always be the side plot. Um, and so once I, I realized that I just, I found Danielle Steele in the used bookstores. I, um, I read I, tons of historical. I got really into just anything I could get my hands on. And I started writing I didn't realize it at the time, but I started writing fan fiction when I was a, a young teenager. Just all of the shows that I was watching on TV, I wanted to know more about the couples and what the couples were doing off screen. And so I would write stories about them. And it was so fun. So, yeah, I think I've just always had a, a romance leaning mind. So do you kind of remember what your first like technical you know things that we categorize as romance like do you know kind of what that first book was for you I mean I think I, I don't know that I would say forever by Judy Bloom is a romance because I they don't it's you know not a happily ever after right I, I think that that was the first book that really felt um romancy to me mm -hmm. um, and then from now from there it was it was a Danielle Steele book I think I read probably um, 15, 20 Danielle Steele books um, oh, yeah. in a really I short amount of time. A bunch of those, like really mm -hmm. close together, like Star and Zoya. And Palomino. So, Palomino! You know, Zoya might have been my first. I, I always say Palomino is my first, but I think Zoya might have been my first, actually. Oh, yeah. and Palomino, we don't, like, it's not one that I hear people talk about a lot when they talk mm -hmm. about those, like, early books. Mm -hmm. um, but I did really, really love Palomino. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're wonderful. I want to go back and read them, a couple of them, just to feel that way again, just to remember, like, younger Ivy reading these, you know? <laughs> Are you ever, like, afraid when you go back and read a book that you read, you know, as, like, kind of, you know, as another you in another time? Like, do you ever worry that you won't view it in quite the same way, that it won't, like, stand up for you? No, I mean, only to the extent that a book felt really transformative in literature I, that might mm -hmm. change just because I might have a deeper context of you know literature that came before that one and it would have just been transformative to me but I think because of that I never I never reread something and think wow this isn't as good as I remembered I think I always try and look for the thing that sparked something in me um, and part of that is being a writer that I know, even as a writer, I'm constantly growing and that some of my earlier work isn't as strong as some of my later work. Um, and that you just have to kind of accept that you are constantly changing. Right. 
So, I mean, I can totally imagine going back and rereading Palomino and being like, this isn't what I remembered, but I love the idea of a younger me reading it. You know, <laughs> I can totally see why I fell in love with this. Yeah, I, I worry sometimes, like I'm worried that some some of that nostalgic, like glory mm-hmm. will fade if I approach the same book as, yeah. you know, the me in my 40s instead yeah. of me, you know, in my early 20s. Yeah. I mean, I think if there are books like that that are super special to you, um, that you don't, you almost don't want to touch the memory. Those are probably yes. books I don't reread anymore. It's just because that is such a like clear, a crystal clear memory. Some of like, some of Wally Lamb or Barbara Kingsolver's oh. early books are like that for the me. The Bean Trees. The Bean Trees. I mean, that book changed my life in a very like subtle way. It just made me, oh. it, sh- it showed me that like how much feeling a book could elicit and um but I haven't reread it in so long I just don't know I mean maybe I should that's a really good book <laughs> it is a very good book yeah. I haven't read it in a long time either but I know that like when I did mm-hmm. it was just amazing yeah um and, and with a totally different feel from the yeah. stuff that King Solver came out with you know later mm-hmm. yeah like Poisonwood Bible was a totally different vibe but Ooh, oh, I also love Poisonwood Bible. That was good, I know. I know. That was really good. <laughs> so still kind of hanging out here on the, the reading train, what have you read recently that you think the world should know about? Um, well, I, in terms of romance, I'm always reading romancy stuff, and I have recently been on an Adriana Herrera kick. Um, Yay! She's so wonderful, and her books yes, are just amazing. Um, Allie Hazelwood has Love on the Brain coming out the same day as Scandalized, and I I don't need to plug that one because everybody's probably already pre-ordered it. But she's just a delightful person. Um, and I I'm like re- a bad person. I have not read the Love Hypothesis yet. It's so cute. I mean, you know, it I was really initi- want to. It was initially fanfic, and so I think it has some of the same. Oh, repulsive feeling that um, Scandalize has, hopefully, in that, like, it's really just written for the joy of the characters in the story. And I think those those stories that are written that way, and I, I hope to include Scandalize in that, but I wouldn't presume. But I think at least for the love hypothesis, that feeling of being of the author being so wrapped up in the characters, it really yes. pulls the reader in, too. And she does a great job with that. And also, um, they're, it's just really funny. It's really cute. Uh, it's a lot of fun. So I, I absolutely see why that book has just been a huge blockbuster. Um, and let's see. I recently finished Finley Donovan is Killing It, which is not, yes. not strictly speaking a romance, but I just was blown away by it. I mean, I know I'm late to the party there because I feel like everybody has read that already. But if you are the listener out there who hasn't, I really can't recommend this book enough. It's so fun. It's so funny. And it's so cleverly plotted. Like It is. The the whole premise is this. It's a single, newly divorced mom who's really struggling to make ends meet. And she's a writer. And she's behind on her deadline. And she goes to meet with her agent um, 
to discuss a book idea, but she's had a really rough morning where her daughter like cut her own hair and tried to duct tape it back on and cut her forehead. And so Finley's at this Panera talking to her agent, trying to pitch this thriller book idea she has that she's laid on. And, you know, this woman slips her a note. This is just the beginning. So it's not really a spoiler. I think this is in the back cover copy, but this woman slips her a note and is basically thinks that because Finley has this bloody hair in her purse and is talking about this killing in this book idea, she thinks that Finley is a killer for hire. And so she slips her a job and it's just sort of like this spiral of Finley not wanting to do it, but can't resist kind of following up to see like, well, what would it be? And what if I did? Yeah. And it all just like goes sideways from there in just the best way. And there's no point in this book that there is a slow moment. There's no mushy middle. There's no like part where it lags and you're like, Oh, I'm going to put this down for a bit. Like I listened to it on audio, which I thought was the perfect experience. And I just, I could not wait to get back in the car all the time, which is very strange for me because I usually drive a lot and I'm so tired of driving. So it was really like, Oh, my book. I know. I just wanted it so bad. And um, anyway, she totally sticks the landing, which is really amazing too. I just, I cannot recommend that book highly enough. So that's my current fave. <laughs> if you're looking for something with like a similar feel, um, not quite, you know, not the same plot, obviously, but I highly, highly recommend Jesse Q. Sutanto's Dial A for Aunties and Four Aunties and a Wedding. Okay. I have read the first one. I have not read Four Aunties and a Wedding. But yeah. Oh, the aunties go to London. Ooh. Just delightful. That that first book was so fun. I'll have to read more of hers. I I have a copy of one of her her next one. It's the YA one, I think. Forget oh yeah, name. well, that was unexpected. I think it's yes. called. It's coming out in September. Yes. But yes, London is in no way prepared for the aunties. <laughs> how could it how could it be? Truly. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing that the London, you know, post aunties is not quite the same. It changed forever. <laughs> yes, yes, because the, the aunties are amazing. Yes, talk about great characters. <laughs> I just, I love that so much. And it's another one of those things, like we were talking about, that, you know, most likely, I hope anyway, the things, like, in that book, like, don't really happen to people. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you don't read it for sort of the, like, the realness of, of the matter. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it's just... A delight from start to finish. It is. It is. Oh, I would love to see a movie of that book. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, like, so, so excellent. It would. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're going to kind of wind down here. But before I let you dash off, I do have to ask you, now that Scandalized is almost in the world, like, what would you say you have learned from the process of of writing this book? Like, are there some lessons that you took from it that you might, you know, kind of take into other projects or just kind of use, you know, in life going forward? Yeah, that's a great question, because really this this, like I said, was a book that I wrote on vacation and it's sad in a way when you (laughs) your day job is also your hobby and you know like other people might go garden or or build something in a pandemic vacation but I really just sat down and wrote some more um and I will say I think kind of like the saying dance like no one is watching 
I think maybe write like no one is reading. And if you are writing a story because it, it cannot, you cannot get it out of your head. Um, that is always the advice I give to people who want to start writing is don't write because you want to be a published author. Write because you have a story that you have to tell. And even if you're just telling yourself, even if you're just writing it to send to, you know, a cousin or a friend and you don't need it to be anything else, um, let the ambitions come after. But for the for the meantime, write like nobody else is reading. And I think that was very liberating for me because um, especially if you are somebody who writes in a professional capacity elsewhere and there are different pressures of the job. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always a really wonderful career and I'm very lucky to have the job that I have, but um, it can be stressful sometimes to feel like you have to repeat something or, or build on something that is existing and to have a completely blank slate was really, really wonderful. And so I think I have been able to take that into the projects that I'm doing for my day job and really um, just try and make sure I remember that it's all for fun and I'm really writing the story for myself. Well, I hope that you will go on another vacation soon and (laughs) give us another, you know, excellent sort of um, (laughs) escapist book. I, I think that kind of freedom and joy, like these are things that the world just needs so much more of. No, thank you. Yeah, I would love to do more Ivy Owens work. This has been a real fun one. So I definitely see it in the future. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Before I let you dash off, can you let us know the best place to find you online? Yeah, um, I only have Instagram. It's about all I can juggle. Um, And it is hello Ivy Owens on Instagram. And I reply to every DM and I would love for people to come engage there. And do you caption your Instagram photos? Uh, I do, yes. Yay! <laughs> we, we like digital accessibility here. Yes, we do. Again, this has been a discussion with author Ivy Owens about her upcoming novel, Scandalized. This is scheduled to release in the U.S. on August 23rd. Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. This has been really fun. You're welcome. All right. So new books, beautiful, beautiful new books. And the one that I am most excited about, because as always, we start with books that you've heard us mention before on our most anticipated releases of September episode. And my one of my most anticipated releases this month is the YA rom-com from Jesse Q. Sutanto. This is, well, that was unexpected. I'm lucky enough to have gotten an early copy. I'm reading it now, and it is lovely in every possible way. All of the humor that you're used to if you've read Sutanto's work in the past, it's just everything. I love it so incredibly much. It's finally, finally out in the world. Natalia has a couple of her most anticipated releases out this week. We have Spells for Lost Things by Jenna Evans-Welch and Mere Mortals by Erin Jade Lang. 
So those are some books that you've heard us mention previously. So what about books that we haven't talked about? I do have some of those for you. I'm going to start with some historical fiction. And we're going to talk about Jacqueline in Paris by Anne Ma to start us off. This is the story of Jacqueline Bouvier and the time that she spent in Paris before her, you know, engagement, her, her relationship, engagement, marriage with John F. Kennedy. So this is Jacqueline in Paris by Anne Ma. We also have An Indiscreet Princess by Georgie Blaylock. And this is a look at one of Queen Victoria's daughters. This is Blaylock's third book, I believe. Um, and she looks at a lot of women in the royal families that we don't hear much about. So this one is An Indiscreet Princess by Georgie Blaylock. And still sticking with historicals, but talking about historical romance rather than just straight up um, historical fiction, I'm going to mention a couple of historical romances here. We have The Duke Not Taken, Royal Match, Book Two by Julia London. I will confess that I have never read a Julia London book. I know she has written many. Um, most of what I'm aware of from her are historicals, but I do know that she has a couple of contemporaries. Um, she's done some books that are set in Scotland, some in England. Um, this one looks like a British historical. And as I said, it is The Duke Not Taken, Royal Match, Book Two by Julia London. And now I want to talk about a historical romance by an author I have read. This is How the Wallflower Was Won, Last Chance Scoundrels by Eva Lee. This is the second book in the Last Chance Scoundrel series, in case that wasn't clear. Um, Eva Lee also writes as Zoe Archer, and everything she does is amazing. She writes um, historicals that feel historical in all the ways we love, but that also have a little bit of like the modern sensibility. And I know that for some historical romance readers, like that's not what they're looking for, but it is a thing that I really enjoy when it's done well, and Eva Lee does it so, so well. So this is How the Wallflower Was Won, Last Chance Scoundrels, book two by Eva Lee. And now, I want to talk about some fantasy. We have a new Naomi Novik book out this week. This is The Golden Enclaves. This is the third and I believe the final installment in her Skullmance series. Novik has written um, the Temerary series, which is kind of a look at um, the Napoleonic Wars, but with dragons. She's also written a couple of like, fairy tale based books, um, Uprooted and Spinning Silver. But Scholomance is set in kind of a magical school. Um, I have not read this. I think Amber has read at least the first book, and I know that she enjoyed it. I don't know if she's read the second one yet. But this one is The Golden Enclave, Scholomance, book three, by Naomi Novik. 
We also have a new Carrie Maniscalco book out. This is Kingdom of the Feared. It's the third book in the Kingdom of the Wicked series um, about a set of twins who are witches. I have not read this yet, although Brooke has, um, not the third book, but the first two, and she really loves them. I loved Maniscalco's Stalking Jack the Ripper, which um, is kind of a, hmm, like, historical mystery with some paranormal elements, um, or at least what you think, you know, might be paranormal elements. There are four of those, and she's just such a fun author. I love the twist that she puts on the things that she writes. And I have heard nothing but good things about the Kingdom of the Wicked books. So this one is Kingdom of the Feared, Kingdom of the Wicked, book three, and it's by Carrie Maniscalco. If you like witches, I have a couple of things for you. We have How to Succeed in Witchcraft. This is by Aislinn Brophy. It is also a book set in a magical school, um, like a competition to gain power in like a wizarding school. So um, if you like kind of those like magical institutions where people are learning all of the things they need to know about being a good like witch or mage or however they, they term it in the books that you read, um, this might be something that you want to pick up. It is How to Succeed in Witchcraft by Aislinn Brophy. We also have Foul Lady Fortune, Foul Lady Fortune, book one by Chloe Gong. Um, she wrote These Violent Delights a couple of years ago, and she writes like sort of historical urban fantasy set in in Shanghai, but like think of Shanghai with magic. Um, so this is 1931 Shanghai, and we have a couple of spies who are posing as a married couple in order to ferret out the truth of a string of murders. And somehow, I don't know how, but since this is classified as fantasy and knowing what I know about Gong's writing, I'm almost positive that we've got like some magic that is somehow either aiding these spies or, you know, somehow like playing a part in what's going on here. This is Foul Lady Fortune, Foul Lady Fortune, book one by Chloe Gong. We also have House of Hunger. This is the second book in Alexis Henderson's Bethel series. Um, the first book she wrote is called Year of the Witching, and so this is that was a witch book. And this one seems to be like vampires um, and the humans who serve them. I have not read The Year of the Witching, although I know several people who have. And it's one that I definitely want to pick up, as is House of Hunger. I have heard so many good things about Henderson's writing, and I'm always looking for kind of like new takes on vampires, because I feel like vampires are the kind of things that we read about a lot, and there's not always a lot of variety in how they're done. So I'm always hoping for something new and a little bit different. And early reviews kind of tell me that that might be what I'm getting with this particular Alexis Henderson. So this one is House of Hunger, Bethel, book two, by Alexis Henderson. 
We also have Soul of the Deep. This is the follow-up to last year's Skin of the Sea by Natasha Bowen. And this is a darker, uh, kind of creepier take on mermaids. And I think there might be some sirens as well. Um, I'm thinking that if you're looking for something that's a little, you know, dark and spooky for like Halloween time, um, this might be a good series to check out, especially if you like things that are set kind of, you know, around water. So this is Soul of the Deep, Skin of the Sea, book two, by Natasha Bowen. All right. Let's talk about a couple of mysteries, and then that will uh, round off this episode. We are going to start the mystery section with Vicious Circle by Catherine St. John. She wrote The Lion's Den a couple of years ago, and um, it is, and I think she had a, a second book out as well, The Siren, I think it's called, um, but this one is about a retreat center and all of the secrets that it's hiding. Um, think of like Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty, or, um, oh gosh, there are so many books that, that have done this. Um, the latest, Stephanie Robel, This Might Hurt. I don't know if, and I guess to be fair, I don't know if these are accurate comps since I haven't read the St. John book yet, but these are books that do this kind of, you know, like wellness center retreat kind of thing where things are not as they seem. If you want to know more, you'll have to check it out. This is Vicious Circle by Catherine St. John. Then we have A Familiar Stranger by A.R. Torre. I love A.R. Torre, whether she writes under this name or whether she's writing erotic romance as Alessandra Torre, or if she's writing her, um, like, darker kind of erotic, like mysteries, um, the, the Deanna Madden series by A.R. Torrey is like some of the best stuff I've read. But this one is about a woman who seems to be the perfect wife and mother. And because everyone is so focused on her perfection, she's pretty sure that no one will pay attention at all to some of the less stellar things she's done. This is A Familiar Stranger, and it's by A.R. Torrey. We also have, and this is the last book I have for you today, we have Six Ripley Avenue. It's one house, eight killers, and no witnesses. Apparently the one house is like a hostel that um, a woman manages, and apparently lots of um, bad things like killing go on there. This reminds me of one of those um, like kind of locked room mysteries like um, Shari Le Pena's An Unwanted Guest or Sarah Pierce and The Sanitarium. Um, but this one is 6 Ripley Avenue and it's by Noelle Holton. And that is all I have for you for this last week in September. Hopefully we have expanded your TBR pile, you know, even, even a little bit. Um, 
I know some weeks are going to be better than others, but hopefully you found a few great books to keep you company this week. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm